0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Intentional Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Campion, and I am delighted to bring you this conversation today with Brooke LeBlanc. The title of today's episode is Sobriety as a Superpower. And at first glance, Brooke is not exactly the typical persona that you'd expect to see for someone calling themselves sober. She's young, she's successful. In fact, she's the CEO of a startup in the non-alcohol space. And she's incredibly active. We talk about her marathon training uh, in this conversation. But this new definition of sobriety is kind of the point. Brooke has emerged as one of the leading voices in what I'll call a new wave of sobriety. She's made the choice, as many others have, to forgo alcohol in her life. And uh, we talk about in this conversation how that one healthy choice has had an incredibly positive impact on all other parts of her life, including her professional, personal, and even athletic pursuits. The amount of energy for all things alcohol-free is really palpable at the moment. And it was a real pleasure for me to speak with someone who is leading by example in this space. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Before we get into our discussion, this episode is brought to you by my friends at Athletic Brewing Company. If you are a regular listener to this podcast or subscriber to my newsletter, you already know that I am a massive fan of Athletic Brewing Company. Their non-alcoholic brews have been a major part of my own success living an alcohol-free lifestyle for close to a year now. I'm a big fan of both the quality and variety of brews that they have on offer, everything from IPAs and Goldens to Extra Dark Brews and Sours. It really runs the gamut, which helps to keep things interesting. I also love that you can get it delivered straight to your door from athleticbrewing.com. That's super convenient. Personally, I like to mix and match and I'm always trying out their latest brews. While I also come back to some of the staples, which for me are Upside Dawn, uh, which is a classic craft golden style brew that I absolutely love and Athletic Light, which tastes great and only has 25 calories and five carbs. So someone trying to live a healthy lifestyle, I can feel good about drinking that one just about any time. Try Athletic Brewing Non-Alcoholic Brews for yourself. Use code WISDOM to get 15% off your order at athleticbrewing.com. That's code WISDOM, W-I-S-D-O-M, at checkout for 15% off your first order near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic brewing company fit for all times. All right, my friends, here is my conversation with Brooke LeBlanc. All right, Brooke LeBlanc, welcome to Intentional Wisdom.
1: Greg, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm so psyched to have you here. Um, I've been following you on Twitter for quite a while now, and I love all the content that you share there. Um, I feel like whether this is purposeful or not, I feel like you've kind of become uh, a leading voice in this whole movement or whatever you want to call it around um, sobriety or going alcohol free and so that's been really inspiring to me personally as somebody who's um, you know given up alcohol for quite some time now and it's uh, it's become like a decision that I've been really happy with in my own life but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know one of the first pieces of content that first introduced you to me and probably to many others, because I think this piece of content went super viral, was uh, a piece that you wrote called The Decision That Changed My Life, Becoming Sober. So tell me about that piece and what inspired you to write that.
1: So that's what started everything that came to be, uh, becoming a name in this sobriety space and really building a brand um around just me sharing my journey um and being really open and vulnerable on the internet which is a scary thing to do nowadays uh that was published in November 2021 so that was right after my 1 year of sobriety uh i published it on mirror which is like medium on the blockchain so yeah. i actually i didn't edit it and i can't edit it you can't rem-
0: oh Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, it's like on the permanent record now. It's
1: immutable. It's Yeah, it's out there in the internet uh, for good. So that was very risky, uh, I guess, in hindsight. But in the moment, I really just wanted to answer everyone's question, which is why I quit drinking and did I have a problem? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And just this is probably good to go ahead and kind of preface before a conversation. But I wasn't an addict or an alcoholic, um, Mm -hmm. so I was able to go cold turkey when I decided that I wanted to make that choice for myself. But yeah, that was really awesome, um, putting that out there in the world and seeing people's reaction. Um, I know the night of, I turned my phone off after I published it and put it on Twitter. And the next day, I woke up with tons of messages. Um, I still get messages, and that still circulates around the internet. So that that's really cool to see a piece of content live on and kind of impact people. Um, and it's already been almost two years now since I published that.
0: Yeah. And it's in, I'm going to link to that piece in the show notes for people who want to go back and check that out. I highly encourage you to because it's, it's more about, it's, it's not just about your decision to quit alcohol. It's almost like um, autobiogra- autobiographical in that it goes back and looks at, you kind of look at how you've personally developed uh, over the years and um, different paths you took. And then you talk a little bit about, you know, alcohol entering your life and, you know, why it wasn't serving you and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm I'm actually curious, because um, I was actually thinking about this for myself recently, but what, what what's your first memory of alcohol being in your life?
1: Oh, uh, so my parents weren't drinkers for the most part. Uh, we never really had it in the house. Uh, My first memory of drinking alcohol myself, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. rather than it being modeled to me, was when I was in late middle school, early high school at a party. Uh, And I just remember looking up to people who were older and wanting to be like the cool kids. And that's really a huge reason as to why I and my peers started drinking younger, um, is you look up to people and you want to be like them and you have so many social pressures to fit in and you want to belong. Um, so I guess just being at a party, being at a social function. Um, and then back in the day, at least, there wasn't all of this emerging science about the effects of alcohol. So really, it was just a default mode of becoming an adult. It's a rite of passage is to have your drink and to hold a beer with your parent or to go to a social function and um, take shots with your friends. And so it's really just this ritual um, in the especially in the United States where it's really just prevalent and it's such a default choice for a lot of folks.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people probably have that similar experience and like what's crazy to think about is like how young that actually is. Like I I have a son who's about to go into middle school and like it blows my mind to think that like alcohol could be anywhere near any he's still on the young end. He's just going into to 6th grade, but like I like you like at my first Memory, I think back I'm like I remember being at a party in eighth grade and there were was drinking there and I, like I might have had a beer there. Like that might have been my first experience. But then right after that, into high school, like drinking was a major part of the culture. And and I, I was thinking about this personally recently. I was like, I wonder why I started drinking and like why did why did drinking become like part, a big part of my identity for those, certainly for those like high school and college years and a little bit afterwards, like, I feel like it was like a pretty big part of my identity, but that wasn't like, it wasn't like strange. It was like all of my friends, it was a really big part of all of our identities. And I was thinking back and I was like, really, if I really am honest and think about it, like back when I was like 14 or 15 years old, I was probably had, like, zero self-confidence, was, like, really, uh, you know, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out who I am and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, like, putting alcohol in your body was, like, a way to, like, ha- it have some identity, but certainly that, like, help you with the confidence, like, get you to a point where, like, you could feel like you could, you know, socialize with people. I mean, did you feel like it was like that for you as well?
1: yeah. And um, going back to the theme of having a ritual, it's a shared experience to uh, cheers with someone or to open a bottle of wine and split it. So Mm -hmm. similar to the way that people treat food, I know actually in uh, Italian countryside, they call wine food. (laughs) So they quite literally compare alcohol to food um, and the way that they consume it and uh, kind of understand the nature of consuming it. So it's it's really a way to build camaraderie with your peers. It's a way to fit yep. in um, in a time when you're transitioning schools, which is a huge leap. You're going through puberty. So you have like physical changes and identity mm-hmm. crises. Uh, yeah. And it, that, it was very much so um, started with friends. And it was always something that I kind of consumed while around other people. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back to that because that ritual element is really interesting to me. And I want to talk to you about like how you deal with that today, but maybe before we get into that. So um, you find yourself in uh, New York City, you're working in the kind of tech world, you're navigating the pandemic, and then you make this decision um, that you want to quit alcohol. A lot of people were doing the opposite at that time and like really leaning into alcohol. So Tell me about that. And I'm curious, like, was there one moment when you were like, "Okay, I'm making a change here? Or how did that all come about?
1: Yeah, the exact moment was a weekday. It was like a Monday or Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) Um, And I was sitting in a co-working space and I was transitioning into the tech world. But I wasn't going to leave my job at a larger B2B SaaS company without having a job lined up. Uh, so I was working nights and weekends to interview, and I just wanted extra bandwidth, uh, whether in terms of time or energy. So that was when I decided to go one week, no drinking. Um, and mm. after one week, I found just so much more time in my day to do ordinary things, too, like hit my workouts daily, do my laundry um, on a every Sunday night cadence and just kind mm-hmm. of systematize my life and everything moved a lot smoother. Um, In addition to kind of work progress and my career advancements. So after one week, I decided to go dry for a month after the month of October. This is October 2020. I decided to go dry for three more months. And then at the turn of the new year, which is an amazing time to kind of rethink your goals and kind of check back in with yourself. And that's why New Year's resolutions are a huge uh, kind of habit building way to kind of reassess how you consume. Um, which has led to dry January, which is a huge um, instance. Now 230 million Americans every year uh, kind of rethink their drinking habits in January. Um, And at that point, I decided to call myself a sober person and step into the identity of a sober person. And uh, it just kind of slowly snowballed from there. But that's that was kind of the early stages of my progression.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Dry January. I couldn't believe how And I don't I. Sometimes I can't tell how much of it is like just like the internet bubble that I live in, but like to me, like Drive January was like everywhere this year, right? Did Did you feel that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's ways yeah. you can kind of quantify that. Um, if you look at Google searches, it five yeah. x from the prior year, and so every year it's growing like a wildfire.
0: Wow, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, so the uh, so the identity piece. So that's really interesting to me that it it, it sort of transitioned from like okay, this is like. I don't know if you thought about it this way, but I, I'm i pretty into like streaks and like in like short term challenges and things like that. And that's kind of how I started in, down this path uh originally as well. I kind of started like I wanted to challenge myself back in 2018 to do a year without drinking. And I always kind of saw it as like a short term challenge and I completed it and I was like, great, yay, this is awesome. And it wasn't until like a couple of years later where I was like, I won't do that again, but I want to. I don't really want to treat it like a challenge. Like, I just want to stop drinking, basically. And so I think, for me, that's how it kind of transitioned to that identity. But t- tell me a little bit more about that identity piece of it, because that's super interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's tricky because the word sober is very heavy, and it means something different to every person you talk to. Mm-hmm. If I went out in Times Square and took a mic to 100 people, they would tell me 100 different answers as to who they know who's sober in their life, what sobriety means to them, whether or not they're sober themselves. Um, So not only does everyone have their own sobriety journey that leads them to become sober, but everyone has their own definition of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And nowadays you hear the term California sober or weekday sober, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of a wider market of folks who are looking to just cut back and not necessarily quit, as in quit all state changing substances.
0: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, I, I've, I, I've read James Clear's work. I, I study habit building and well, I, mean, yep.
0: I think I have this one <laughs> right behind me. <laughs>
1: it's a classic. It's yeah, yep. it's required reading, um, yes. <laughs> for most people, at least in the tech space, just because it's, it's so brilliant. And it really breaks down the fact that if you want to change your life, you can, but you have to take care of the days. How you take care of the days is you focus on what habits you want to create. And there's no better way to instill change in your life than deciding to be a person and be that identity, own that identity and step into it every day. Um, And so by declaring I'm a sober person and by even just going out with my friends, I would start to say, introduce myself and say, hi, I'm Brooke. I'm a sober queen or I'm sober. I'm not drinking. And that was one of the first things I would say. In the room yeah. when I would walk into a club, bar restaurant, whatever the environment was, um, and then it really what was cool and what I didn't expect initially is that it gives other people permission to raise their hand and say, "I'm not drinking either. Let's get mm-hmm. mocktails." And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had dinners since then um, since kind of stepping into it myself where other people just have a dry dinner or a dry uh, happy hour or whatever the kind of circumstances. So that's been really empowering.
0: Yeah, completely. Oh my gosh, you're so you're talking my language on like five different levels there, right there. But on the on the identity piece, I, I'm I'm completely with you. I think um, that that's kind of how I've gone about structuring my year and actually down to like my daily schedule uh, the last couple of years, taking a lot of inspiration from James Clear as well, and looked at my identities. So I looked like I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a really fit person. And then breaking that down to like, okay, what would a great dad do on a weekly and daily basis? Okay, that's telling me what I need to do, et cetera, and and sort of like building up my habits that way. Um, but I the identity piece when it comes to drinking is so the way I think about it, and I can't remember if this is like a Tim Ferriss thing or something else, but like the way I think about it is like, um, you know, the it's one decision instead of a thousand decisions, right? Like the thousand decisions is what kills you like if you have to decide every time you go out if you're drinking or not eventually that's a losing strategy right cuz eventually the like peer pressure is enough where you're in the situation you're like okay fine like fine this this seems like a good exception or whatever but if you make that decision that's more identity focused at some point you're like i don't drink you know like done that's that's decisions is done right um, so that's uh that that's the that's the way I think about it anyways but um to me very interesting to hear about how other people reacted. I've had similar experiences um to that, but tell me a little bit more about that and just what that looks like because you're kind of at a different stage of life than I am in that it's I would imagine it's easier for a guy in his forties who's got kids who lives in the suburbs. To like navigate around drinking a little bit, um, because it's you're more whatever you're you're at home with kids and on a lot of nights and stuff like that. It's a lot less of like a party situation, but like being someone um, you know in their twenties, living in Manhattan, et cetera, et cetera. Like, tell me about that. Like, how do how do you navigate that, and how do how do people generally react?
1: Yeah. So. I saw a notable difference in the way that other people reacted to me based on how I felt with myself. Mm. So Mm -hmm. uh, before I adopted sobriety as my identity and I was unsure about it, I mean, I was still not drinking. I was still abstaining, but I was very scared. And sometimes I would dance around saying that I'm sober and just say that I was training for a road race. Therefore, I couldn't drink this one night and I wouldn't kind of get too into the weeds of my journey. Um, Before I was very secure in my identity, other people weren't sure either. And I kind of got that energy reflected back to me. And I would still be offered shots and I would just turn it down or I would be it just it wasn't the right dynamic. Um, I and I was still I still had the same friend group, too. So there was a consistency and the city I was living in, the friend groups I had, my family, uh, which is crazy because it's such an identity shift to go from a drinker to a non-drinker. Um, but most people, you're not introducing yourself again. You're not reintroducing yourself as, hey, I'm a non-drinker now. You just have to accept that other people see you as the new version of yourself. It's really hard to make a change in your life and be consistent. Um, and like what you said, not renegotiate with yourself on. Uh, going back against it and just kind of sticking it out and seeing, does sobriety fit me and my lifestyle and my goals? Um, Once I started to accept that identity, everything changed because I could walk in the room, have confidence that I wouldn't be tempted, triggered, um, and no matter what projections people might have, because there are folks who will still turn to you and say, oh, did you have a problem? And look at you with the face as if Uh, there was something deeply wrong and that you're not Mm -hmm. making an empowered, healthy choice uh, because of whatever conditioning that they grew up with or whatever media and messaging that was on a billboard that taught them that alcohol is the only way to have fun and that it's boring not to drink or whatever kind of beliefs that you come up against. And you will come up against these beliefs if you stick with sobriety long enough, especially if you travel and you experience different cultures and how they treat drinking and not drinking. Um, Ultimately, it all comes down to the way you feel about yourself and the relationship you have with yourself. Um, and that really changes kind of the way that your external environment looks. But yeah, it is, it is challenging. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> Isn't that interesting that, it's, that it comes, uh, the, the role that identity and confidence play? Because I think about, uh, it's almost like the polar opposite of when you're that 14, 15, 16-year-old kid so unsure of yourself, so unsure of your identity, just want to fit in and it's like okay, yeah, it makes sense. A- alcohol enters the equation. This is a way to fit in. This is a way that maybe it gives me a little more of this like liquid courage, what have you? And then fast forward to what you're describing. I think you got there about 20 years earlier than me, but um in terms of the 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 confidence in yourself and the ability to um, to say, this is who I am and I'm super comfortable with it. And I'm super confident with this choice. And like, um, yeah, I mean, to me, like I walk into a room with friends now and I'm like, yeah, I'm not drinking. Like, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was at a work, uh, thing down in Charleston a few months ago. And i just, just met the chairman of this company and it was like this whole thing. And he was like, Oh, he's like, you know, we're going to see how late night you can hang tonight. And I was like, you are going to be severely disappointed. And I came came out and he had this whole spread of like alcohol laid over the table. I am like, this is going to be super awkward, buddy. But like, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in like six months and I'm not about to start right now. But like to your earlier point, like in that situation and many other situations that I have with friends, like the reaction was like, that's awesome. Like, congratulations. And, oh, by the way, I'm thinking about doing that because this, this, this. Like, I love that you said that you get that reaction. I mean, do you, are you hearing that more from people these days?
1: Yeah, I, I am hearing that more. Um, and I fully resonate with what you said about COVID changing consumer behavior. So you could have mm-hmm. either doubled down on your lifestyle of consuming drugs and alcohol, or you could have cut back and when you experience a global pandemic, no matter how healthy you are, you could still be affected by getting COVID. And (laughs) so it really made people kind of look twice at their day-to-day habits. Um, And that has kind of stuck with us over the course of the past two to three years. Um, So that's why we're seeing a a growing interest in medicine 3.0, which is preventative healthcare and people really wanting to take care of themselves and take agency over their lifestyle choices, and drinking is a part of that.
0: All right, now we're getting into Peter Atia, which, and I have that book right behind me as well. You and I have the same reading list. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Now, let me ask you this um, tactical question: um, If you're in, you're in these social situations, uh, maybe the, maybe let's get back to the, this idea of the ritual because I really believe that is true um, so I think one of the real positives and one of the reasons why humans have been consuming alcohol for thousands of years is the ritual nature of it. it it is a great thing to be able to come together with friends and family and celebrate and you break bread and you traditionally have wine or beer together like what have you have you found any substitutes that kind of can help fill that void for you, I wonder.
1: Yeah. uh, Sharing a meal. Uh, That's really awesome. So I've read the book, Never Eat Alone. Uh, So that's a principle I try to live by, at least with Mm -hmm. work. If I can meet people for a lunch, that's awesome. If I'm going out on a date, I prefer to go for dinner, not drinks.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, ultimately, it just comes down to Understanding the root of the connection with the other person. So when you strip away drinking, um, the nights when you have the most kind of vulnerable conversations with the people that you're around, whether or not they're friends, family members, coworkers, uh, it's really when you get honest with each other. And a lot of people think that you have to imbibe in a substance, drink alcohol in order to get to that level with someone, and you don't. Um, And you start to realize you never needed it in the first place. So um, it's also about just your conversation and how willing you are to open up and share um, and really listen to the other other person that's with you, too. So I think it has a lot to do with not just sharing meals, but also sharing your truth and hearing someone else's truth and seeing them for who they are Um, and practicing that muscle over time. It's not just about EQ but it's about just being a good human in the world and treating everyone like your teacher.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think um I think there's a you know possibly related to the the all the media and advertising messages that we've been pummeled with since we were born. But I think I think there is a view out there that uh you know I work my 9 to 5. I get to the end of the I get to the end of the week and I need I crave alcohol. I want that beer or i want that wine i need it to relax personally i think i think that's really overplayed and i think what we really desire and i think this is kind of in line with what you're saying is what we really desire is like relaxation fun and human connection we really want to just like connect with other people and that is like something that really helps us to recharge um I found that that's really what I'm actually craving, not the alcohol. And, but for me, I do like, there is still something in that ritual of hanging out with friends and drinking. And, and so I've substituted alcohol with like non-alcoholic brews, like athletic, which I'm a big fan of. And they're sponsoring this episode, by the way. Thank you very much, guys. Um, but, but I like that. And I actually had this conversation with the CEO of athletic on this podcast where we talked about, I don't know what it is. It's almost like a placebo effect or something, but like, if I am at a party hanging out with a bunch of friends and I'm drinking a club soda, then for whatever reason, that's not as exciting to me. But when I'm, I have like one of these non-alcoholic brews or something similar in my hand, I feel like I'm a little more part of the. Action and I own in a weird way I feel like I like loosen up more do you have you experienced that effect at all
1: yeah um I also consume a lot of caffeinated beverages and I try out drinks like Ken yeah. Euphorics and diswa um and they have state change ingredients in them um which kind of elevate your mood and L-thean mm. is a balancing kind of chemical and uh, mm-hmm. gaba is you know kind of a calming ashwagandha also um, an interesting ingredient that i like to kind of consume and um, yeah. those don't contradict with my goals with sobriety so i i'm happy to kind of try those beverages i think it's an amazing space you can really validate the shift in consumer behavior based on looking at the numbers of non-alcoholic beverages and how successful and prolific amazing they are yeah. um i recently picked up a pack of athletic brewing at a very small bodega um so their distribution oh, is yeah. i mean they're everywhere and so good for good on them and good on the space because it really helps you feel like you're a part of something special when you see a brand that's made for you um, that says on the packaging that we're for the people who are taking one night off drinking they're taking antibiotics so they can't drink for three months mm-hmm. they're trying for a family so they won't be drinking for a year whatever your circumstances to not be drinking um it makes you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and um, it does build community and kind of replace what you're missing when it comes to not feeling like you belong in a room of everyone drinking and imbibing Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean there's and you i think you can feel a lot better about putting some of that stuff in your body like if you're putting something that's got l-theanine or ashwagandha in your body like That's there's a good argument to to put that stuff in your body anyhow and in certain uh, cases. So uh, I I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's it's funny that it's taken us this long to get to a place where these types of drinks are so uh, common. Um, But, yeah, there's more and more coming out. There's one. Uh, I don't know if you've tried the one called recess before, but like why I had like a recess, it was like a non-alcoholic margarita. That was really good. And that's like nice. Like, okay, I'm having a Mexican dinner and like this actually tastes really good. And it's got some of these, like, I guess what I would call like you mentioned, mind altering ingredients. Like I was they're pretty mild, I would say, but like it's that even that is like probably a little bit of placebo effect. Like, okay, I'm drinking this. It's different than drinking just like a club soda, and it's like I feel chilled out, you know, like so there, there's something to be said for that. Um, OK, so you are, congratulations, by the way, I believe about to come up on a thousand days sober. Is that true?
1: Yeah, we're about five days out.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wait, what's the uh, what's the official date? I want to see it. Maybe I can time this podcast release with it.
1: Uh, July 1st is 1000 days.
0: Amazing. Congrats. That is exciting. Um. Okay, so let's say somebody's listening right now and their interest is peaked and they're saying, okay, you know, I may want to start either cutting back on alcohol a little bit or rethinking my relationship with alcohol. You're somebody who is kind of a veteran at this stage, about to hit a thousand days. What would you tell somebody who's who's on day one? Oh,
1: I mean, the... Two best pieces of advice for anything you want to take on any type of life challenge is to just get started and just keep going. Um, So I would kind of, I would make it, you can make it smart. So you can make it time bound or actionable um, or kind of center it around something very specific in your life. So let's say you're doing 75 hard. You can do 75 hard and take 75 days, no drinking and see how you feel after Um, If it's something you want to reincorporate back into your life, then do it. Uh, There are no rules. And especially the younger that you go when you experiment with sobriety, with Gen Z and this new younger wave of uh, kind of breaking out of the boxes and not really wanting to be defined. You can make sobriety be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to you don't even have to call yourself sober. Um, You can do whatever you want and you should feel empowered to. And there's the tools like the non-alcoholic beverages in place to help you. Um, There's also tons of other substances that um, I don't personally take, but I have heard some really interesting research on like microdosing. Um, So really, I think that with consumer behavior um, at a younger, if you just kind of look at kind of the younger trends, um, I think that if you just kind of ask yourself, what's most important to me? How do I wanna feel? And you go one weekend off or you take a month off, then then that's really useful. Um, something that I will say that helped me a lot and that I would recommend for someone new on their journey is to have a journaling practice or some way to kind of check in with themselves um, just to make sure that you're on the right track and that you still feel aligned with what you wanna do because at the end of the day, this is a choice you're making for yourself and your body and your future. Uh, so I have about six five-minute journals that I've filled out over the course of the past few awesome. years. Uh, and I even have a journal from the first six months of not drinking. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is really beautiful to go back in October 2020 mm. and see how exactly how I felt each day, every morning and every night, just writing a few lines. Oh,
0: wow. That's uh, cool. Yeah,
1: so a journaling practice and then just just starting and figuring it out treating it like an experiment. Um, and this is also, just to kind of say this one more time, just to reiterate, this is not for folks who are physically addicted to the substance. That's a much different kind of recovery and treatment path. But this is really if you just want to improve your life and get healthier.
0: Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, that, there, there is a, I'm glad you made that distinction. That That is a big difference. I, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Louis Rivolo on this podcast, and he was somebody who struggled deeply with alcoholism for 20 years and, um, you know, almost, almost died from it. And that's a whole different can of worms. And like, so for, for instance, like someone in that situation, I don't think some of the things like we were talking about, like the non-alcoholic beverages and things like that, those are probably not great tools for, for those types of folks who are, who are really struggling with, with, um, with addiction. Um, I love the recommendation on the journal, um, the other kind of side benefit there is being able to go back and look at, um, at you know, if, to the extent you write about things that you're worried about or stressed about, like I always think it's like some of the best therapy to go back and look at what was like I completely worried about um, a year ago or six months ago. And nine times out of 10, you look back and you're like, wow, why, why was I so worried about that? That ended up working out fine. So it's it's like another just way to help gain perspective, um, in your life and try to put all your current stressors, um, yeah, in the, in, in, in a little more perspective. So I like that recommendation. Um, okay. So you're a thousand days in almost a thousand days in what's been the biggest changes for your life. Um, how, how have, how have things changed, whether it's around pursuing ambitions or interests or like, how, how's life changed for you after these thousand days?
1: I will start with how I feel. Uh I feel as though I've cleared the path to run towards what's most important to me in a way where it didn't feel that way uh on day 1. Most certainly not. And the thing is too, you didn't re- or I personally didn't realize uh how unclear my priorities were or how I wasn't truly genuinely tracking to them in a measurable way um until I started kind of eliminating things that didn't serve me. And alcohol was the first pillar that I got rid of. Um, and with not drinking anymore, you start to kind of look at your relationships. And the people who don't support your drinking or not drinking habits and your transition away from drinking, well maybe they weren't great friendships to begin with and so you kind of start to look at all the foundations of your life your career your friends and it's a good thing to take inventory of what's most important to you how are you showing up for them how are they showing up for you and hold everyone and everything in your life accountable to your goals um, our time here is quite finite <laughs> in short and it's important to make the most of each day Um, especially in your 20s when you're in a high-velocity time period of your life. This is when, you know, it's right now, personally, I'm not married. I don't have a family. So this is when I can take risks and not have uh, beneficiaries that uh, rely on me for support. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, I've moved to Mexico City for two months, L.A. for eight months, and I moved back to New York. Those are all mini experiments that I ran, and that's just based on where I live in the world. Uh, and I've began to build our own com- my own company and we've hired two folks and we're fundraising right now. So we're on a whole different trajectory uh, in terms of kind of what I'm doing in my career and what we're putting out into the world. Um, instead of working for someone and building their vision, I decided to build my own. Um, and that's quite an empowering choice that I don't think I would have had the bandwidth, energy or time in my day Uh, if I was drinking, which also leads to a million other behaviors, which just don't contribute to this, this more important goal of mine. Um, Something else that's always been important to me is athletics and fitness. Um, And without having hangovers or the physical uh, repercussions of drinking um, or even just last night, I saw a friend at an event. Uh, I showed up at 11 p.m. I went on a run before that at 8 p.m. for sunset. So just that kind of way that I can turn around time very quickly and mm-hmm. kind of over-optimize for what's most important to me is really special. Um, and so right now I'm training for a marathon. I have the Berlin Marathon this year. I'm doing New York Marathon next year. Um, and those are more ambitious goals, but I feel very capable to achieve them and accomplish them because I've cleared the path.
0: Amazing, amazing. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff going on. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy that these like healthy habits can bleed from one area of your life to another. Like it's, it's almost like dominoes, positive dominoes kind of falling down. But yeah. I think you nailed it around the energy piece, especially. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, we don't need to get into like all the science. Like I think you and I have both listened to that Huberman uh, podcast episode where he goes into the science of um of what alcohol does to your body and how it's not just a one-day hangover, but it's like throughout the entire week, it's messing with your mood and your energy levels and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, yeah, I mean, my experience is similar in some ways in that, especially on the working outside, like you just rarely, rarely miss workouts. And there is something that I personally love about waking up knowing that every weekend morning I am gonna wake up feeling great and I'm gonna be able to be out of bed early and like hitting a really intense workout like before my kids are awake you know like and that's a big deal like um I think a lot of people in my situation too with parent you know once you're a parent there's all these other stresses on your time and you want to show up for your kids in a positive way you don't want to have you know, you don't, you don't want to lack patience, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I think it's awesome. The, the, the marathon training is so, so fun. Um, I, I just actually had, uh, Matt Wilpers from Peloton on the podcast recently. I don't know if you follow him at all, but he's really good when it comes to like marathon training and coaching, um, and all that kind of stuff. Now, are you, in terms of tracking yourself, I think I heard you say somewhere that you are Big into like the fitness devices as well are you a big device junkie like I am
1: yep <laughs> I'm a total nerd about that space uh, okay <laughs> the only kind of consumer wearable or tool in that world that I don't have yet is the eight sleep mattress
0: oh uh, I'm there I got and it, it. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't gotten an eight sleep yet but that is on the yeah. list that's yeah. on my wish list but right now I'm currently wearing an aura ring a whoop band and my garmin watch which i use for once so okay i'm I'm impressed i'm impressed
0: (laughs) i'm impressed uh i'm currently wearing a whoop armband i transitioned to the armband from the wrist uh which is i like it it's a little more like out of the way the apple watch i got the ultra for some reason i don't know if it does much more but i i'm just like kind of a junkie on the um devices and um and uh and I am into the eight sleep as well. Um, it may be overkill to have this many devices. Um, but one thing I like about it is I actually like to have multiple readings on things. Um, because like for whatever reason some one device might not get a good reading on something. But if like I have if I can look across multiple devices and be like, okay, my HRV is trending this way or my resting heartbeat is trending this way, and things like that. I can, I feel like I can get a pretty good holistic picture. And one thing I'm sure you've learned, like I've learned is that nothing throws these devices like into like crazy haywire as much as, um, alcohol. Like, uh, it absolutely crushes your, uh, HRV and really all your metrics. Like I, the, the lowest, um, reading I've ever had on whoop was like one or 2% recovery. And it was like the night after I went to a Zach Brown concert and like drank way too much. And I was like, Oh my God, like this crushed me. Not only did this crush me, this thing's saying I'm almost dead, but it is, but it is like, but for the, for the rest of the week, like my metrics were all oh like terrible. Right. I mean, are you, how are you cl- tracking all that stuff pretty closely?
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't have these devices when I was a drinker. I wish I did (laughs) Mm. Um, because more with more knowledge comes more power, and it's really cool to see what's happening in your body in real time. Um, There are ways where I can see my friends who do drink and see what their metrics look like. Uh,
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: And then what's also important to note is that a lot of people say that when you stop drinking, you sleep so much better. And yes, you do but I have also had plenty of nights where I'm just stressed and then I don't sleep well. So Mm -hmm. it's also really beneficial to look at it as a non-drinker, just on how to optimize your metrics in your day-to-day.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, the other thing I think is that um, I, I actually think when you take alcohol out of the equation, you actually get a much like purer, if that's a word, reading on all your stats. Like in, in other words, I feel like it's much easier to be like in tune with your body and realize uh when something is off like I can tell now if if I'm starting to get sick or if something is something is a little off. I feel like when you're putting alcohol into your system all the time, it almost like dulls the your ability to sense that, and so when you're not putting alcohol in your body, I feel like it's much more fine-tuned. That's just been my personal experience. Um, Okay. The new business. Uh, I I don't know how much you can disclose, but I want to ask you about it because it sounds really interesting. I know it's something to do with this space that we've been talking about and the fact that you're hiring and raising money and all that stuff. Wow. That is so exciting. So tell me what you can tell me.
1: Yeah, so we're building a company. Uh, It's called Edge, and that's a nod to the Straight Edge movement of the late 80s and early 90s. Um, I'm deeply inspired by the counterculture movements of street, skate, and hardcore punk. And that's kind of where this kind of branding came about for our company. Um, And we're marketing to the Gen Z audience, kind of younger people like me who are looking to cut back or quit, but they don't really have a solution in place to hold them accountable. So we're going to provide you with support groups. We're going to pair you in cohorts based on your health goals. So it's for people who aren't fully sober or they are fully sober and they just want to be held accountable. Uh, So we're really going after kind of a new market of people. Uh, We're going to be able to integrate with their wearable solutions and kind of give them a better holistic picture of what their sobriety journey looks like. Um, The old paradigm is very different. Uh, sobriety was seen as binary. You either were all in a drinker or all out and completely sober. And that's not really what the average consumer kind of looks like in their day to day life. Um, mm-hmm. And it also it works for me because I I don't drink any alcohol and I just count my days. Um, and so I have a cumulative tracker. Um, this October will be my th- third year of doing that and that works for my journey but that's not what everyone's journey looks like so we're going to provide a much different structure for how to kind of track your sobriety in a way where you don't sign up for a commitment to be sober for the rest of your life and it feels daunting like oh you're Mm -hmm. held accountable to a number and then you're de-incentivized or negatively rewarded if you dare break the streak and then you have to start Mm -hmm. over again Mm -hmm. so we're going to make it social fun shareable and much more approachable and lower the bar to getting sober or trying out sobriety.
0: Wow. Okay. That sounds great. Um, I'm excited to to see that develop and to, I'd love to try it myself at some point. That sounds really cool. Um, cool. Okay. I'm not going to pepper, pepper you with too many questions on that because I think you're still kind of in stealth mode uh, on that. So you probably can't answer too much on that, but thank you for that appetizer. i look forward to, uh, to, to, to learning more about that. Um, one thing you mentioned, and this is something I think about myself is, um, I have not, as much as I've embraced the identity of someone who doesn't drink, I have also not said I'm never going to have another drink in my life. Um, and I had I don't know if you know a guy named uh, Dickie Bush, who's like a pretty prolific writer on Twitter and other places, but I had him on the podcast. He's been probably a couple of years without drinking. And he was like, you know, I, he's like, I, I like, I'm thinking about like what, what would be exceptions for me. And so like his, he was, he had one where he was like, if I'm in Argentina and I have a, you know, tomahawk steak or something like that. And like, I'm going to have an Argent. Tinian red, you know, wine. And I was like, okay, that's a really good exception. And so I was thinking about like, to me, like there's not many, uh, I, I don't want exceptions in my daily life, but I think about like, if I took my wife to Napa and we toured wineries, like would I like to be able to drink then? Yeah. I think I would probably make that exception. If I'm in Ireland, as much as I love Guinness zero, if I'm in Ireland do I want to have a Guinness? Yeah, I think I do. So, like, I'm thinking about like, are these are there there occasions or being out of the country is kind of a good one. Um, but but what do you what do you think about that? How do you think about that? Or, or have you said no alcohol for the rest of my life?
1: Yeah, so different to what I really recommend for other people, which is that you should just take it day by day and see what works for you. Yeah. But specific yeah. to my life and what works for me is no drinking. And that's mm-hmm. a commitment that I hope to maintain throughout my entire life.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I, what I wrote in the article at the very bottom is a quote by Ryan Holiday, which is that every day the dust comes back, every day you must sweep. And that's stoic, stoicism by heart, mm-hmm. but really the way that you can kind of digest that and apply it to your life is that every day you have to remake the choice of, do I want to be sober? It's a, it's a mm-hmm. commitment. You recommit every day that you don't drink. Um, And I I joke with people that uh, my one kind of cheat would be uh, having a glass of champagne at my wedding, so that would be my moment, I suppose. But I'm not really sure I would ever come to that. And at that point, I'd probably just have a non alcoholic champagne at my wedding.
0: That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. You're probably gonna have like companies lining up at that stage to (laughs) have you have their uh, non alcoholic champagne be the one that you that you drink. And I think they're. I mean, that's another thing, like, uh, that's another growing area is kind of non-alcoholic wines. Um, I've tried a few, I haven't found, haven't found one yet that I love, but I'm kind of, it's kind of fun actually to like be a connoisseur of this non-alcoholic beverage space. Like, and it's kind of cool to see all the new product that's coming out. Like I, I like it. it. It's, it's interesting to me. Um, okay. Well, listen, you've dropped a lot of knowledge and wisdom here already. And, uh, I think you're doing some incredibly impressive stuff. So, um, I'm sure that, um, your choice to not drink alcohol has been, um, a big part of that, but congrats on, on all your success. Um, I do want to ask you my standard closing question, which is something I ask everybody who's, um, on this podcast. Well, most everybody I've forgotten to ask two guests by by accident, but, um, what's one thing that you have learned in life so far that, Most others might not have figured out yet.
1: Uh, A quote that I come back to a lot, and this is a lesson that I apply to almost everything in my life, is that the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Uh, Whether I'm training for a marathon or building a company, almost all of the rewards are delayed. So understanding how to kind of biohack and reward myself at the end of a day, at the end of a milestone, and remember to celebrate the small wins along the way is a way to kind of maintain a strong sense of self and stay balanced throughout very challenging times. So that's something that I've really I, I can't say I have learned because I think I'll always be learning it. It's a process. Um and that's that's something that I would like to part with your listeners is just really take things day by day. Um, and if it feels hard in the moment, trust that all of the work is accumulative and it will kind of pay off in the end, just not necessarily in the way that you might anticipate it will.
0: Mm, I love that. Love that. Celebrate the small wins. Don't forget to celebrate those small wins, uh, along the way. Um, uh, that's, that's something I try to remind myself uh, of as well. Um, well, that's awesome, Brooke. Thank you so much. Um, for people who want to stay up to date with you, whether you're sharing your thoughts on this kind of the sobriety journey or the new company, where can they find you, follow you, all that kind of stuff?
1: I'm online everywhere. So Brooke LeBlanc. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. My DMs are open. So shoot me a message um, anytime.
0: Cool. And I can attest to that. I think that's how we set this podcast up. I'm pretty sure I DM'd you on nice. that one. Um, awesome. Brooke, this has been So much fun. Congrats again on um, everything you've accomplished so far. I personally am going to have a lot of fun watching your career develop uh, in the years to come, watching everything you're going to build and all the awesome stuff you're going to do. But thanks for being a positive voice out there and setting an example. I think that's what you're really doing is you're setting an awesome example that it's possible to live this way and to not only live this way, but like to really thrive this way. So congrats and um, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: There you have it folks, Brooke LeBlanc. She is really impressive, isn't she? Go follow her on social media. I'll link to her accounts in the show notes. Uh, Very cool to see this next generation making healthy choices and seeing just how powerful those choices can be uh, in all other areas of their lives, which is really, really cool. Brooke is uh, such a great example. I'm sure she's going to inspire many, many others. Before you go, just a quick plug for the Intentional Wisdom newsletter. Go to gregcampion.substack.com to find that. It's one email every other week. I break down the best of what I'm learning from awesome guests just like Brooke. I also share with you everything I'm reading, watching, listening to, and I break down topics like Zone 2 training, HRV, alcohol-free living, I break them down into simple, practical, and understandable terms so that you can apply these things for yourself. Check it out, gregcampion.substack.com. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time.